Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking in Stations. I'm your host, Rain, and I'm joined by Artemis, our lovely engineer. I have two guests today, both Lux and Yanti. Lux and Yanti, you want to give me brief introductions with you to start, Lux? Sure thing. I am Lux and Victor from Hull Control, specifically from Avanto, the Finnish Wormhole Corporations. I've been with Avanto for four years now, I think. All right, and Yanti? My in-game name is Yanti Tasiokras, and I am also a part of Hall Control, and I'm flying with Nexaverse for like five months now, I believe. And not just flying with them for five months, but actually playing the game for five months, is that correct? Uh, yeah, for about six months, yeah. So I, I joined Nexaverse a month after I started playing. That's awesome. I'm thoroughly impressed. So whole control is the topic of the week. So what big news has happened? I know we kind of went over it at the right before the show started, but a lot of people don't really pay attention to wormholes, myself included. So what big news has happened? So uh, if I take this one, mm-hmm. so there was a uh, big eviction happened last week. The victim of the eviction was a Parabellum. Parabellum Alliance and their corporation, I think it's said uh, Ally Extraordinary. Sorry for butchering the name, but a pretty big <laughs> and, and traditional wormhole group. And uh, they lost a faction for it that was very visible on the uh, kill board. And you've probably seen it from there. And so losing a faction for Dazar, that's one of those that originally ended up what was it, in Nullsec, so the players would have had to consciously move it into their wormhole, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, and the other really interesting thing about these faction Fortazars in particular is they started out, they're very limited edition, will never exist again, which is why they're, they're also very expensive. They started out as stations, player-built stations, in Nullsec space before Citadels existed. And then as we transition to Citadels, the CCP converted all of those into faction forts. And the faction fort is ours, which stayed in their home systems in Nullsec, has some special fancy rigs that, of course, as soon as you pick it up and move it, it gets destroyed. But they are still just more powerful in just about every aspect than your standard Citadel, in addition to be dramatically more expensive, and there will never be any more ever again. Thank you, Artemis. And so, why why was Parabellum? Did I say that right? Yeah, Parabellum. Why were they the target of this eviction? Was this some sort of grudge? Was the focus really the Fortazar? Like, what's the story behind there? Should I look? Or okay, I believe we could count a counter eviction more than anything else because originally, like, I think it was on Monday where. One of all whole control leaders pinged for a defense because one of our allies was being evicted by Parabellum. So it's like that classic saying, the best defense is a good offense. So whole control goes to aid an ally against Parabellum. And then I guess the tides turned where... I'm, I'm trying to remember how wormholes work because this is completely different than null sex. So... Do you have to defend the wormhole, I'm assuming, correct? So therefore you would have entrance into their, essentially their home wormhole to do so? Well, I can give a quick rundown on the uh, how the evictions usually work. Yeah. So usually evictions are done in a way that you shut your attack system off from the other wormholes. 
So basically, wormholes can be controlled as they have mass limits to them. So you can close a wormhole when you want to, if you know the mass, and you have the ships that you can mass the hole with. Yeah, let's not go into the technicalities of it, but it's a, it's a pretty fun mechanic of the wormholes, and much of wormhole life revolves around rolling the wormholes. And in evictions specifically, usually the holes are what, what we call door-stopped. When you try and evict a system, you usually don't want to have your enemy or the defender get in other defenders. They're pilots. So you doorstop all the holes in a way, excuse me, that you mass the hole all the way up to critical point. And at that point, you want to have your own battleship on the wrong side of the hole. So when your battleship pilot, who needs to be very vigilant, sees the enemy approaching the hole, he will, she will, jump the hole and close it. And a new random wormhole spawns to another random class or static-specific place in space. In that, case, in that way, you will prevent the defenders from bringing in additional reinforcements, and then you can bring your own guys in when the enemy is not trying to get in themselves. So you will have numerical superiority and you just bash the buildings, kill everything inside. And that is the way evictions usually work. And in short, the counter eviction started because Parabellum is notoriously good at hole control. They were evicting our friends and they kept a really tight hole control. So there was no way for us to get in and help our friends. So instead we decided to go on offensive and instead attack their home. Ah, so you didn't start in the original defensive position. You were trying to get to your friend's wormhole and then realized effort was kind of fruitless because of hole control. So you instead went after Parabellum's wormhole. It was more a meme at first that someone suggested it even. Okay. No, so, so that's interesting because I'm so used to, right? Like if you're trying to defend your wormhole, you're trying to get, keep the bad guys out. But instead of doing that, you're kind of like A attacks B. And then instead of B attacking, or and then instead of C going into B to defend, you just C goes into A, kind of thing, almost like a circle. And so is that is that what hole control did then to Parabellum? Like I would assume all the evictions occurring. Basically, yes. Yeah. Hole control was the was the initial infiltration group. We had I can't remember if we had other groups already involved at that point, but it I think basically the started. It was just us. <laughs> yeah, it was just us. In the beginning, it was just hull control, and yeah, that was uh, very correctly said. We couldn't get in to defend our friends, so instead we uh, attacked attacked the Avellum uh, home hall, and uh, it was pretty memey in the first. In the first, may I may I share the wonderful meme that Kelly made about that? I think. Yeah, yeah. Post it. You might have access to the podcast channel, so then Artemis yeah. can share it on stream. All right. It's this one here. I think this is also what Kelly posted in there on the after battle report after the first week. Oh, that's that's awesome. Okay, no, I okay. So this is interesting. I did not. I didn't really expect that. Normally, when I hear of wormhole stuff, everyone's kind of like, like all the defenders are in one spot and all the attackers are in another. But this sounds like peak espionage. Of well, if we can't if we 
can't defend and let's go attack. But I also know, so evictions and destroying of citadels take a long time. I know with wormholes. And so Artemis is showing a fight that's happening, but this wasn't just like a one day thing. So how did the timeline look from the initial, what would you call it? Like the initial eviction of your allies all the way to flipping, like turning the tables against Parabellum and actually evicting them. Yanta, you want to go over this? You got uh, that handy dock and all that. Yeah, I'm just looking at it, figuring out where to start. So you want to start at us not getting into the Nosferatu home, right? Yeah. And, and what were their names? Nosferatu. That's probably no, a... Nosferatu Security Foundation. Okay. And so those were your allies, and they are getting evicted, and they call for help, and then you're, but you're not able to roll your hole into their. Yeah, into I their think space. we 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 were trying for at least about an hour that day to try and get into their hole, with little success, and I think we also lost a few pilots trying to get in there, and then someone just mentioned, "Hey, how about we do something else instead and try and hit Parabellum in their home while they are busy trying to evict a." Rather small group, I believe. I, I don't know, is Nosferatu considered a small group? Nosferatu in general level is very small. I'd say I've heard of Parabellum before, but not Nosferatu. So Yeah. <laughs> so and I and if, as someone who's pretty ignorant about wormholes, so I would say Parabellum's definitely bigger. Yes, Parabellum is several hundreds times bigger. <laughs> I'm also not too into all of the groups yet. <laughs> Hey, that's okay. There's a lot of them in Eve, and they all have some wonky history behind them. Yeah, there yes. might be uh, some some smaller corporations like to stay hidden because, uh, like the uh, what's the theory on Fermi paradox? The uh, wormhole space is a dark forest, so if you if you are seen, you can be killed. That's fair. All right, so you're attempting to roll the hole to go help your allies, and someone suggests to go somewhere else. So how does that look then from going, we're like, I think they call it rage rolling, where you're like rolling nonstop. How's it go from rage rolling to defend to rage rolling to attack? Yeah, we didn't even rage roll, I believe. We were just trying to get the entries faster than Parabellum was when they were rolling us out of the Nosferatu home at first. And yeah, then someone said, hey, how about we just evict Parabellum instead once they're busy here, since they're busy here. And we, we started asking around, like, well, does anyone know someone who probably has a seat in a potential Parabellum target hole? And we eventually found someone. Is that... A seat the way you said, yeah, what, what, what does that mean? A seat character is basically just a either alpha or character with a cloaked scanning ship that you drop off in a wormhole, usually a home system of someone else, to be able to get the entry to that at another point when you need it. Is that like spying, but like low effort spying? Because technically you don't have to infiltrate the corp, you just infiltrate the wormhole? Yeah, you just you just want to get the route there with that character. So I guess, yeah, you could call it low effort spying, though it's not really low effort because you still have to get the way there. And stuff like a big group's home hole is usually being watched by the group and guarded. <laughs> so it's okay. So not low effort, but a way of spying to drop like a neutral alt into their wormhole and then ideally finding someone who has that. And then they have to then 
actively scan to be able to say, okay, I'm in the wormhole, but here's a way you too can get into the wormhole. Is that right? Pretty much, yes. So how long did that take? I'm not going to ask you to burn the spy or anything, but how long did it take to find the person and eventually get the, get the entrance? I think it took just a few hours to find someone who had a character in there and about another day to get an entrance. Oh, so, okay. It was fairly quick. <laughs> okay. And so I'm guessing Parabellum didn't really know you, like, you guys were doing this? Or were they, were they expecting this? I don't think they were expecting it. <laughs> nice. So not only, like, doing some espionage, but doing it without getting caught until after the fact. That's pretty impressive. All right. So, yeah. so you managed to find the entrance. Then what happens? The entrance was found when I was at work. I just got the route from my CEO, the, not the route, the message from my CEO over the course of the day, like, hey, we have an entrance now, so once you're home, grab your ship and we'll make an infill to get more people into the wormhole. I think we also had, yeah, we had someone with a DST with a siege station loaded into it. And we all, did we have pauses at the beginning? Like, to put them up, I don't think so, right? Because Parabellum had uh, pauses at all their moons, so we had to reinforce them first. So we didn't even have initial structures to begin with. That's right. And uh, here starts the uh, very painful first two days of the uh, eviction actual of us trying to maintain hole control. That means keeping all the holes doorstop up so that Parabellum can't rush from the their attack hole back home without any stations, without an infrastructure, without pause. People are logging off in their personal safe spots. There, we are very, very limited. Yes, we did get a frigate hole. I'll get into it, or we'll get into it in a bit. But yes, the first two days were quite painful. We did eventually get the Astrahus down, and we get a got a pause as well. But we we had some rough nights and rough days there with just trying to work with what we had safe logged off. And personally, I almost burnt myself out there. But uh, we made it. And uh, let's continue the story. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's a good question, because I had mentioned earlier, it takes more than just, you know, it's more than just like a simple structure bash, right? Like you have to not only get into the wormhole, but then maintain control of that wormhole for the length of time it takes to destroy all the structures. Isn't that correct? In order to truly evict someone. So it's not just a day's worth of effort or six hours. It's more of like a whole five days to a week. Yeah, you... we were aware that it would take about a week to pull the whole thing off. <laughs> yeah, so this was... So this was this wasn't just a hey let's defend our friends. This was like a hey guys like like call into work sick, tell your families you're dead, like like divorce divorce your wife sort of like situation where like you're just dedicating 24/7 for a week to try and, you know, kick these guys out. Yeah, now's the time for you to pro to really show that internet spaceships are serious business. It's uh, yeah, I think the some of the guys clocked in 50 60 hours of just holding whole control on the whole week and that's crazy dedication and I so oh go on no i just wanted to say i think i've spent like three nights of night watch over the week 
And so is that, how do I phrase this? Is that like a very active role then? I know you mentioned like door stopping wormholes was very like vigilant, but is that just like, are you able to like watch Netflix and do that? Or is that something where you're just like constantly de-scanning, like getting ready to jump the wormhole to like close it out sort of situation? Constantly de-scanning, constantly watching your probe scanner window for new signatures popping up. <laughs> okay. Wow. So that's like mega active in the entire thing. Yeah. Okay. And I think we also had people watching certain high-sec spaces to look for parabellum fleets roaming around. Okay. And so I'm curious. So during this time, you're structure bashing, like blocking parabellum out. What are they doing in the meantime then? Are they still attacking your allies? Like, are they saying, well, we're in this already, might as well evict the people we're evicting? Or do they actually turn and try to get back in and save their home? I believe we had intel that they were at least spending one day trying to rage for from the Nosferatu hall where they were evicting them into their home hall. Okay. With little success. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And yeah, but otherwise they kept evicting them. So when we talk about an eviction happening, it was not only the eviction itself of Nosferatu, but then the counter eviction of Parabellum. So essentially two groups became homeless in wormhole space. In a way, yes. Usually, I do think that in both of these cases, even though the structures are destroyed, usually most of the assets are saved, as, as probably most know, but somebody might not know. Wormhole space doesn't have asset safety, so all the stuff in your citadels drops, unless you save it into a log-off writer or similar kind of thing. So I do think that both of these groups, being veteran wormhole groups, both of them saved most of their assets. Okay, but it's still, they still have to go through the process of not only getting all the characters back in, but then setting up their structures and saving what they could. So it's still a, a eviction, but eviction in the cons, in the sense that they don't have a home, but if they wanted to rebuild, it's not end of the world. Yes, exactly. At, well, best case scenarios, I've been, I think I've seen holes being rebuilt in just a matter of a few days, getting all the same structures up with the same names, same rigs. There might even be replacement structures already in your log-off riders. So you just log in and you drop the new structure and you're good to go. Just doorstop everything and let everything anchor back down. I gotcha. And so I know Artemis is showing a battle report. That's a pretty hefty loss for Parabellum. Was this the one from the video, Artemis? I believe I so. think this is one from an earlier. The video has multiple fights pictured. Oh, okay. The only actual fight against ships there should be at the start of the video, I believe. Yeah, so when did that fight happen? Was that when you guys uh, snuck in? or That was on the day that our structure was uh, anchoring. Oh, okay. So this was towards the beginning of the eviction then. Yeah. Th that was Wednesday. a... Wednesday? Yeah, yeah so. I guess. I think it was an attempt of Parabellum trying to regain whole control over their home to basically not just just not let, let us anchor the station and get us back out of their home. I gotcha. It looks like it was a fun fight. Kind of a slaughter, but a lot of fun from what I can tell. You guys killed some caps, shot a lot of bad guys. I don't know, Lux, were you fighting at that? Because I was not. I was scanning at that, at that time. At the time of the fight, I had, what, three out of four characters rolled out, and all I had was a single scanner, and I was uh, 
I think you can hear my voice at some point of the fight, but I was only giving, just reminding the rollers to keep the holes closed. But I was not fighting. No, I was I was bubbling. I think I can't mm. quite remember. I spent that whole day in two scanning boats. One of them I had watching the fight, and the other one was trying to scan the new up, popping up signatures faster than the Parabellum scouts were. So you may not have been directly in the fight, but you were greatly contributing to the success of the entire operation then. Yeah, usually fights are critical points of the eviction, but the heaviest part of carrying the eviction is actually the whole control duty, the long hours of just watching empty space and being ready for the invisible threat to materialize any moment. I got gotcha. Zelda, Zelda did a really good job. And everybody in that fight, it was pretty impressive to watch. Yeah, yeah, I think we were all very nervous, but it turned out to be quite okay. <laughs> Let's take a minute real quick to to roll through the battle report here. And there are a few things I want to touch on just because our listeners aren't necessarily familiar with wormholes. First and foremost, the classic in wormhole space. We've got loads of Lashaks and then plenty of armor paladins to go alongside them. Correct me if I'm wrong, the, the choice of heavy armor in lots of wormhole fights is because your fights tend to be focused pretty much at zero and on a wormhole itself. And so Lashaks have lower mass than other ships, also bringing lots and lots of damage per individual person when you're typically limited on the number of people. And then because you're focused around this wormhole, there isn't a lot of range at play to be able to, to take advantage of. Is that... Are the pieces that I'm missing there? I do think that there are... It's a, actually a very complicated question. Why is Wormhole meta the way that it is? I do think that it has to do with the old Wormhole meta when faxes were strong and people were brawling just for fun for quite a bit. And people just get used to having heavy armor, heavy e-war compositions, and they feel very natural, and you just kind of research into that kind of stuff. But uh, there are shield fights as well. They're just, yeah, they're just rarer. And the usually larger organized groups, they have a doctrine for everything. And sometimes the better option is shield, especially if you ha happen to have a pulsar effect in the wormhole that you're fighting in. But uh, it's, it's a tough question to answer, to be honest. All right, that's fair. One other thing I wanted to highlight is we do have capitals on the BR. I'm not sure how much of a factor they were in the fight itself, given the, the volume of subcaps on the other side. I'm assuming they would have been very powerful, specifically those faxes trying to keep their battleships alive. But it's worth noting that the wormhole we were fighting in, or y'all were fighting in, was a C4, which means that capitals can't jump in. So the reason that Parabellum was able to have these caps is because they built them inside their home hole first. It's a very large defender's advantage in addition to already having all your ships in there and theoretically already having your pilots in there, is that you can also already have capital ships in the wormhole ready to use, where it's nearly impossible for the attackers to get capital ships into these low-class wormholes. Yep. yep, that is very correct, Artemis. And so I know, I know we were talking about hole control and your guys' involvement, but if we look at the top with who all was involved, 
So one side we see Parabellum, and then it looks like potentially some alts, like the random corpse. But on the left side, we see the banana. Some of these names, like I recognize Shadow Cartel. Are these all part of whole control or were these a bunch of friends who were like, hey guys, we're going to go counter evict Parabellum to save our allies. Do you want to join? Is that like, which situation did, did ended up with more people on team A than team B? Well, let's take this question real quick. Can a pilot clone jump in or out of wormhole? You cannot clone jump in or out. You can clone jump in, in the structures. If you have different clones, you want to change your implants. You can do that, but you cannot do a, is it called a remote clone jump? You cannot yeah. jump from high sex to a wormhole, no. But yeah, this, <laughs> this is where the, uh, this is another, like, a tough question for us. I do, we kind of lost the diplomacy side. We both, we are not sure what happened. In the initial fight, we definitely have the groups that were there in the beginning. The uh, the dedicated group groups, I think Zell talked Stay Feral and Bananas into it, and uh, Llamas from the Burning Contingent Alliance. Sorry, I cannot remember the whole corporation name. And uh, Llamas Sombrero Syndicate. That's their cult name. Thank you. That's an awesome name. And uh, Shadow Cartel is Bob's Watch. They have a Finnish FC, so basically all Finnish know each other, so they joined us on the operation. But in this initial fight, we actually have a, a kind of a core group of people who came in before the structure timers and like were ready to put in work. Not to say that the all the people who came in later didn't put in work. Still, the whole control is the most heaviest duty to carry in, in evictions in general. But these are definitely like from the point that we had still had the diplomacy side under control and we had dedicated communicating people inside. At the later point, we can see it from some of the structure kills. We had a whole mass of groups inside. About a dozen groups came in and a lot of neutrals as well. But especially since I wasn't present, personally, I didn't know that we had so many <laughs> groups inside. It became quite chaotic to me later on. But at this point, I do think that these are, I can still recognize most of these names. Yeah, I think it got quite chaotic in general when people started realizing that our eviction was going somewhat okay over there, especially after that capital fight. Was that the expectation? Like, when regular members of the wormhole community here, whole control is trying to evict Parabellum, how do they expect that to go? I do think it depends on the circumstances, but usually I would say that whole control is, well, a threat, yes, but I wouldn't go into an operation like this. I wouldn't initiate an operation like this unless I, I I just wouldn't even do this kind of stuff. It just kind of happened. To be honest, Parabellum is such a large entity that it is very hard to attack them. And this was kind of like, well, many pieces made a successful operation, but I'm still having a little bit of hard time believing that we actually did this. 
Yeah, it's quite surreal. <laughs> so were you two there then for like, I would say the final destruction of all of their structures? Like, were you there for like the final hoorah or whatever? I don't know. Yes. I don't know what you would call it. Like the victory lap, I guess. You were. Okay. So how was that? Like, how was like the, uh, the morale on comms and everything like that or the mood? Looks, do you have uh, anything? Well, yeah. Oh. You go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was cheerful. There was like many of the groups who, well, were in this previously mentioned battle report and people who came in later on had a, well, not a grudge, but a parable has been evicting smaller groups and just calling it good content. And many smaller groups apparently feel like they didn't even get a chance to fight back. And they, well, I, I could say that they have a grudge against Parabellum and a Parabellum, Parabellum aren't liked in the in a way in Wormhole space. Well, it's sort of a content thing and it is very, yeah, maybe I shouldn't generalize like this, but most of the groups that were participating in the operation had been evicted by Parabellum previously, some of them multiple times. I think Lamas got evicted twice. Yeah, uh, recently, actually. Yeah. So it was payback time. It was karma time. Uh, so it was quite cheerful on the comms. But uh, yeah, from like the organization and the people trying to like hold to control the fleet and so forth, it was super stressful. It was, yeah, it was pretty crazy. We have a dozen entities that are usually read to each other, just hanging in the comms. Some are not in the uh, in the in the bar. They're just hanging in their own corners in their own comms, and it's really hard to tell what's going to happen. Everybody sounds happy, and everybody eventually was just happy and was cheerful that they could kick back. Yeah, it was to me personally. It was super stressful. I did not like the <laughs> like the whole situation one bit, and it led to one well decision that I probably shouldn't have made. Hey, that's okay. I I get it, especially when you're in these positions with these groups. We might get into it later, but it's really really difficult doing the heavy lifting in Eve Online. That's why a lot of people call it a second job. But I'm really glad it paid off for. For you guys, for you, not only you guys, like as in you two specifically and your team and Corp and Alliance, but for all the other like groups too. I, I want to say underdogs, but I don't know if that's the right word, but I know what it's like when you're a smaller group and then you get picked on and then you finally get your moment to shine. And I don't know if you call it karma or justice within the game coming back on those bigger groups. Yeah, I think it's, it's a way of saying if you like kick the smaller groups around for a long time, eventually they're going to band up and they're going to evict you. And that's what happened here. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of karma. And also thanks. It's a nice to hear appreciation always. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm so as a, someone who plays in null sec and low sec, who doesn't really do wormhole stuff. I'm really impressed just to hear all the thought and dedication that went on behind the scenes. Like I've heard about hole control and rolling the holes. Like I heard, I remember hearing a lot about that. I think it was with, you know, some of those larger groups when they, you know, when they fight with each other, but I didn't realize like, you know, when you have these smaller groups, not only is it a handful of people doing it, but it's a handful of people spending hours upon hours of their time to try and help other groups. And I'm, I'm really impressed overall by that. This is one of those stories where like, yeah, the kill mails may not be super expensive and shiny, 
but it's like one of those stories that carries a lot of weight with it, I think. Yep, and the story continues. There is a large high-sec war against Parabellum going on. Personally, I don't really know about the details of it. I've seen all the battle reports and so forth. But it's been it's been uh, really fun to know that we kind of were the first to kick the snowball rolling. And uh, from then on, it's been there's been so many stories, so many battles already. So it, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I yeah, I did. Oh, go on. I think it was last Friday that Parabellum lost their Sutiu in Highsec and Finana. There was no Kalemai for that. We we are st- all quite upset about that, but. <laughs> oh, is that because there are so many pilots on the Kalemai? Yeah, I believe so. There were like 1,300 people in system at that time. In oh, Highsec? In Highsec. Oh my god, I'm, I'm impressed that didn't like crash the whole server. They had 10% tie-dye in high sec. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's that's super torturous in high sec too, because high sec mechanics aren't as fun as other space, I don't believe. But I, I didn't even realize, so I'm looking, because Black Flag's normally a high sec war deck group. I thought when you said war decks that it was a bunch of wormholers making the war decks, but no, this looks like high sec is now, I guess, getting their vengeance or something along those lines. Maybe they're being paid, I don't know. But uh, yeah, this only thing I've got out of the Heisek Wardek Corps that are fighting against Parabellum right now is that Parabellum kind of started it about a month before we did our little wormhole war. All right, that's that's even more hilarious that they got their karma in wormholes and now they're getting their karma in Heisek. Cracks me up. Before we stray too far from the wormhole, one of the most interesting parts about wormholes for me is the lack of asset safety. So when citadels like this Dracos Fortazar die, all of the stuff that was inside drops in cans. And I am really curious, if both of you were there when this thing went pop, how much was there for loot? Well, without giving any numbers, it was not stellar. It definitely... Well, actually, getting back to the question from the earlier... We did get a frigate hole, and we had a fight there, and we lost the fight. And the Parabellum was able to get about 70 pilots back in. And they were able to evacuate quite a lot of fighting ships. And I do think that they were also able to pack most of their assets into the safe log fighters or whatever similar they had. So the loot wasn't stellar from a corporation that has stayed in wormhole space for such a long time, just like Parabellum, the Ally Extraordinary, it was nothing special. So I mean, it sounds like there's still loot for round two then. Yeah, if you want to go around. (laughs) Yeah, it's usually pretty hard to uh, try and get another round. Usually uh, if if Parabellum were to settle back into this home hole, they would close all the holes and they wouldn't open before they have all the structures in place. So basically, you there would be enough loot for another round, but there's, there might not be as much as for the first round, for example. And they would be probably mostly, could they could be mostly defensive stuff, ships, fits, so forth. So it's kind of hard to tell if someone would like to attack a hole that has been evicted very previously. 
it probably still won't be stellar and you're still going to have to make this all the same work. You're going to have to go through a week of grinding whole control against a notorious, very well organized group. So, Man, that the loot haul is kind of disappointing to hear. But at the same time, I feel, oh, what was it? There was CCP made that change with, I think it was like medium structures or large structures where you only get like two, was it one or two, like a reinforcement timer? So I feel like a lot of players were probably prepared for that after that change. Yeah, so medium structures, they do not have an armor timer anymore. So you reinforce the shields and then it goes straight to final timer where you burn through both the armor and the hull. And when that change went through, there was actually a lot of discussion with Wormhole players specifically about how that would impact low class in these smaller groups we're talking about here. Because often they can't afford the 10 bill, 20 bill plus for a Fortazar or bigger. So the, the timers when that change was initially announced were just insane. It would be practically impossible for them to defend their structures. And it's still very, very hard with the compressed timers you have with only two. But it is it is something that significantly impacts a lot of the targets that Parabellum chooses to evict. Really good point there. It is uh, specifically it affects the smaller groups, and as we have seen, they've traditionally been a target for Parabellum. So that's disappointing, though, that CCP stars aren't reverted that change, and you see people getting impacted by it. Yeah, well, it changes the meta. Holes are usually pretty rich. Even low-class holes might have very rich players. But I do think, hmm, to be honest, I'm not sure about this. But I do think that we see less groups, but the groups that are in there might be better organized because you got to have a large structure very much earlier on than before. If you want to have like large assets in a wormhole, you need a 40 star, basically. Yeah, I gotcha. So we've gotten to the end of end of the eviction or counter-eviction, talked about the loot, and then we're talking about high sec. I know Artemis didn't want us to stray too far, but what do you guys see for your future then with whole control? Do you think Parabellum's going to make a make their growth again back in a wormhole space, or do you think it'll be a while before you see them terrorizing folks? Hmm, very hard to say. <laughs> Anything is possible. I am pretty sure we're going to just keep on doing what we do. It's mostly just trying to have fun, find content. It should be noted that it's not always fun for the guys on the opposite side. But yeah, we try and live and die in the wormholes, fight, have, have, a, have wars, try new content. Yeah, I do think that EVE players in general are pretty similar wherever they live. So it's mostly about having fun and fulfilling your goals. Sometimes they're for your group, sometimes they're personal. I gotcha. That makes sense. That's exciting, though. I have no further questions related to this wormhole eviction. I don't know if you do, Artemis. I think you're way more in tune with wormhole space and politics than I am. I mean... Mechanics, yes. Politics, no. I I do want to highlight here that you two didn't seem to have a a solid grip on the politics, but even when I was flying in wormholes regularly, and I don't know anybody who has a solid grip on wormhole politics, honestly. It is such a convoluted mess of 
grudges from a decade ago and just people wanting to be jerks for the sake of being jerks and that's why they live in wormholes and then sometimes you just make it up for the sake of content so don't like don't even worry about it wormholes is its own weird little environment that is really cool that it gets to exist and that fights like this get to happen yeah i've, I've only been told so far wormhole politics are complicated and like a world of its own but just don't talk shit in local because that's gonna come back to you <laughs> yeah and when everybody communicates via memes as opposed to like words it makes it even harder oh yeah that's awesome yeah wormhole politics are very fluid you might be fighting a guy one day and you lost and you'll be very bitter about it and the next day someone who is your mutual friends is getting evicted, so you end up in the same side. And it's nothing special. It happens all the time. I feel like there could be, I don't know, some crazy Netflix series about wormhole politics with how convoluted and confusing this this all is. And it would be hilarious to watch and enjoy. I am also impressed about, like, I always hear about null sex spying, but I never hear about wormhole spying. And so the fact that there's, like, wormhole spies but they're not your traditional spies is also super impressive from like a, a nullsec perspective i do think from what i've heard about nullsec spying nullsec spying seems to be uh, the intel is uh, gathered is quite different usually in wormholes you try and find out the doctrines where they live and have your seeds in there so you can get a root if you need to if you see an opportunity to do something it knows like it seems to revolve more about in the community now i have to uh, i have to say that i have absolutely zero experience from nullsec but i find the nullsec spying very intriguing as well <laughs> like the whole spy networks and the community like you try and get into the community and all the different kinds of security levels, all that stuff. Very, like, super interesting. But uh, it's it's a bit different from wormholes. Wormholes seem, well, to me, they seem more simple. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't do any spying. I just get a lot of intel and I keep it to myself and it becomes fun. That's exactly what a spy would say. <laughs> I was just about to say the same. <laughs> it's fun in EVE, though, seeing all these stories. like. I don't know what you call it, untold stories, like all these small stories of things that happen that I mean, I don't know how much other folks have been talking about, like wormhole evictions lately. So this was really good to talk about. I know you guys did not want to talk about null sex, but I think we're coming up to like a natural segue. So before we transition to any topics, are there anything you want to you want to talk about, Lux or Yanti? Nothing from my part, I believe. Mm, nothing really much. Thanks for having us here. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, thank you so much for joining. I'm really glad you guys were able to come on here and share your stories with us. And uh, since you won't be here for the end of the show, do you have any shout-outs before you run? Well, I need to shout-out. Give a shout-out to Zell. Man, you the man. can just double that. Yeah, also, Mom, I'm on TV. <laughs> the classic. Oh, yeah. Alrighty, well, thank you so much. So I'm going to let Artemis segue us to nullsec politics. So if you want to stay, you can, but I understand. I definitely understand if you do not want to. Yeah, it's getting late over here. Yeah, it's 2.30 a.m. It's time to get some sleep. 
Oh dear, yes. Please, please do not let us keep you awake like that. I'm so sorry. Oh dear. Oh, no worries. It's been a pleasure, really. Take care and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. All right. Artemis has the uh, Dotland map pulled up. I'm not sure how much it's going to be helpful here. Long story short, we are seemingly gearing up for another map-wide war. And as a result, there's a lot of background story to tell for each little group and why they care and why they're involved. But I'll try to simplify things. And I look forward to getting roasted in the comments in the chat for other groups having their own perspectives and reasons for why. So where we are right now in the world, why we're talking about this story, is up in the north we have Fraternity, very large war block, or Nullsec block, in Winter Coalition. And then we have, right next to them, the recently formed B2 Coalition. So that's Brave, we form Blob, part of Volta. You might be more familiar with Volta than we form Blob. And a few other smaller groups from Pure Blind Fade, Declan area. And interestingly, Initiative, as well as it seems other members of the Imperium are deploying with them or soon to be following, moving massive amounts of people, including supers, up into this area. And indeed, one of the keep stars that used to belong to Volta was transferred to the Imperium for the purposes of staging, at least so it seems. So they aren't going anywhere. They are well-equipped, moving heavy assets up, and it seems like big fights are about to be happening. Question is over what and why. So fraternity up here have lived there the longest in this area. And when Brave initially sort of left Legacy Coalition, their old coalition after the end of Vietnam, the most recent large war where the Imperium was trying to be eradicated, they made a deal with Fraternity to use their space to move through in order to settle down in Pure Blind. And that's where Brave started forming relationships, frenemy relationships, if you will, with Volta and other small groups, as well as the GTC, to fight each other, to fight with fraternity, to fight all, all sorts of other people. There were lots of fights happening in Pure Blind, and it was an amazing time. That cooled down slowly over time, and it especially, the dynamic changed when fraternity started to attack or announced that they were going to attack GTC and specifically Volta. There are differences of opinion on either side as to why that happened. From what Fraternity is saying, it's because they had some groups, Boss Alliance as an example, who were staging in Venal, which is an NPC area, and attacking Fraternity constantly, just behind their lines, attacking their members as they're trying to farm, make ISK, that sort of thing. So they evict them, and so they just relocate over here and start staging in GTC space with Volta and using that as a staging point to continue to attack Fraternity. So from Fraternity's perspective, GTC, although they were kind of on neutral-ish terms, they sort of had a non-aggression pact, because these other neutral groups were able to use GTC and Volta structures, in order to attack fraternity structures, Volta and GTC were violating that agreement. And so that's why they decided to go to war, is to stop the constant attacks that were happening. 
Other groups have other reasons, but we'll, we'll go with the people who say this is why they want to attack. At the outside of that war, Brave, all of the little groups in Pure Blind, or at least the vast majority of them, and Volta band together, and they form a fighting block. They weren't a coalition yet, but they were there to fight with each other for mutual defense against fraternity. And that actually went pretty well for them. Most people expected it to either be a terrible slog or to be over very, very quickly, because fraternity is incredibly large and has lots and lots of super capitals. But it became a stalemate. Fraternity wasn't able to make significant inroads into Pure Blind Fade Declan. And it eventually like faded out. People were like, is this war even still happening? There was lots of fighting, but no real progress was being made. And with that, eventually, the war in the South ended. And so Fire Coalition was broken up entirely, or not broken up entirely, but dislodged from their former home down in the Southeast. And some of their members went to different places, but the remnants of Fire Coalition relocated up north and were offered to basically sit on the couch of B2 Coalition, which formed at this point. So when B2 Coalition formed, they let Fire Coalition come sit on their couch, and the intention explicitly, is public knowledge, is that they will eventually go to try and conquer Branch. So Fire Coalition wants to make a new home in Branch. B2 Coalition intends to help them do this. Branch is currently owned by Fraternity, so they are not happy with this idea of letting some enemies come sit on their couch and eventually taking some of their space. So during this process and even throughout the war, there have been mercenaries that are hired by Fraternity to try and change things. And there are also, of course, the random groups that come in just for the content. Whenever you're having an all-sec war, it's going to attract others and they want to come get their, get their chunk of flesh. So Fraternity at this time has thought, hire even more mercenaries, and it starts getting the attention of lots of other groups, particularly from PanFam. And Beanforn Legion is one that you'll, you'll hear a lot about, and there's a lot of back and forth over why they were there, when they were there, how much impact they had. But in short, as a result of Fire Coalition moving up, Branch being an intended target to conquer, eventually Fraternity and PanFam are teaming up together. And so they are both now going to be attacking B2. Simultaneously, quote unquote, we don't have exact timelines here, people will argue back and forth. B2 and Fire Coalition work something out with Initiative and the Imperium. So the Initiative is now moving all of their ships up in order to help defend B2 and Fire Coalition and potentially attack into Branch. Gosh, that was a lot. And I'm, I'm prepared for all of the nitpicks that are going to happen. But there's also a bunch of other smaller pieces going on with those mercenaries I was talking about, like FCs. You may have heard from other little groups being hired by fraternity. This was, you might recall this happening with, what, what's his name? The guy who used to run Black Legion. Elo Knight. Yeah, Elo Knight was hired by fraternity a while ago, if, I'm, if memory serves. And like, so they, they've done this sort of thing before and they're sort of continuing this trend of hiring FCs to run their people and, and give them that strategic and tactical advantage, as well as just hiring other groups. Fraternity's player base are known to be more on the ISK-making side than on the attacking side, 
but there's also a very large component of time zones, which is the main reason that the war stagnated between fraternity and what is now B2, because B2 was very much EUTZ and USTZ focused, whereas fraternity is CNTZ, Chinese AUTZ. So they couldn't really effectively attack each other's timers. You just have to generate timers over and over and over again and hope that the random spread got it closer to your preferred time zone so you could get enough people in there to have a proper fight. And so with fraternity hiring and bringing in their allies, it's also providing opportunities for them to make progress in these other time zones that they don't have their main core. And similarly, that creates a threat then for B2 and that was a, the biggest threat from B2 gaining fire, is that now they can push in all time zones. Fire coalition in Russian time zone is very close to Chinese time zone, so they, they have a much larger ability to alarm clock with the rest of B2, plus have fire coalition in there as well, and actually start making some progress against fraternity. So hopefully I did a good job summarizing all that. It's a bit of a meandering tale, but that's why in current state we have, it seems like, just about every single super capital power in the game, massing their super capitals up here in the north, and maybe about to fight, or maybe about to just stare at each other until a truce is made. No, I think that's pretty accurate. The, uh, the people who want the short version is it's Winter and Pan, and Pan Fam against B2 and Imperium. There's a bunch of others like and, 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 like, right, like, Imperium and Initiative or all these groups or someone's going to say, well, Horde hasn't fully deployed yet or something like that. But long, but long story short is next big war is in the north. I'm like many things. I am remain as much as I want to be optimistic. I'm very pessimistic. Fraternity has fought in two major wars already. You touched on one of them, Artemis. That was the initial one against Brave and Volta, B2 as we now know them. And like you said, nothing really happened. I think there were some maybe good brawls, but nothing in terms of like massive Sov gained or lost or massive Titan battles or anything along those lines. The other one, which a lot of people love to conveniently forget, was actually in the South against Test. So Fraternity fought against Test. And I remember that because I was with PL at the time. And so I actually flew with PL on Fraternity's side. But the same thing happened there where there wasn't like there were no massive super brawls, no massive Titan brawls. There was, I think, a couple Komodos got like warped off a gate. What was it? A Keepstar? I said a Citadel. But they got warped off a Keepstar and killed, which is great, but nothing, nothing crazy like we saw with M2 Tac or any of these other major like game defining wars in Eve. And so I think eventually. My my outtake is of the pessimistic kind, where yeah, we see this war, but eventually people are going to get bored of the subcat versus subcat fights. Nobody's going to want to alarm clock after you know a certain amount of time to take Sov, and then people are going to get bored and go home. Like that's my super pessimistic outlook. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning that's not all because the leaders don't want to fight or they're scared to commit their supers, and a lot of times it's just not possible unless somebody makes an objectively bad decision. And a big contributing factor to that are Sinojammers. That was the big talking point about ev just about every single time you would talk about the, the crazy long war between Fraternity and Legacy Coalition, you talk about the Sinojammer wall that was put up and prevented super capitals 
from getting in or even regular capitals, anything at all other than subcaps would really struggle to get in and penetrate that Sinojammer wall because they couldn't jump into system other than taking gates, which is a notoriously bad idea for capitals and super capitals to do. I think some mechanics have changed since then, though. So it, the Sinojammer walls might not be as strong. And also groups have gotten a lot better at the sort of subcap warfare surrounding taking out Sinojammers and other flak structures, as well as the iHub and SOV structures that allow them to be anchored. We learned, like, everybody learns whenever a war, war happens, and in NullSec a lot of people learned a lot of cool things from that crazy long war between Fraternity and Legacy and have continued to improve since then, in addition to all the EVE meta and mechanics changes. So I, I'm not sure that Sinojammers will play as much of a role in this one as they did. I think that it, it, it would probably, if supercat fleets don't undock it's because they're evenly matched or at least the fcs think they're evenly matched and no one really wants to risk it that's why i don't think anything's gonna happen here to, to really dampen the mood like you have been rain is because nobody really wants this space fire coalition they they want branch eventually but they are recovering from a massive war. We don't know an exact timeline from when they would actually need branch let alone fully utilize it fraternity they want enemies off their doorstep but if they kick out these enemies new ones will move in because fraternity doesn't need that space either the initiative and the imperium don't care it's way across the map they're just showing up to fight against fraternity and panfam panfam same deal so it's to me i don't think any super capitals will get undocked because it's just not worth risking them oh, i think you're absolutely right artemis and i think how do I phrase this? Every other time we've seen these massive capital brawls, they've always been kind of spontaneous, but they've also been in a manner where you could Sino. And I'm really bad at geography in this, but I know currently the way borders are set up is everything is based on region. So either you have the ability to Sino from one region to another, or you have to take a gate. And if you have to take a gate, most people aren't going to do that. It's very easy to get your stuff trapped. It's very easy to get stuck there without reinforcements are difficult to get reinforcements in, etc. It's very easy to stop someone from going to the gate. You just bubble the other side and whatnot. But I think that's critical when you look at, I don't know, like M2, everyone could Sino directly from their staging to M2. Same with like BTECR, X47, UALX, like all of these like big major fights. People could kind of rearrange and stage, but they weren't like, Hey guys, everybody in your Titans, let's go jump the gate and warp to the Keepstar and start shooting it sort of situation. At least like when the Keepstar is being actively occupied and fought and defended and whatnot. I don't know. That, that's, that's my pessimistic outlook. I would love to see Capitals fall. I love seeing those fights. They're chaos to participate in with that 10% tie-dye and 20 hours of not sleeping sort of situations and having to go to work the next day. But they're amazing to see. I think you are right about the subcaps and fleets. We have a huge subcap meta shift from the last couple of years. So I'm really, really excited to see see what groups will do. Excuse me. To see what groups will do with their subcaps, different tactics. Maybe we'll see like carriers and dreads and faxes, which would be just like hilarious to see those thrown around. I'm hoping we get to see more of that, especially with like the new the navy dreads, I think would be fun toys to use for this if you wanted to like YOLO or bait something. I'm excited Absolutely. for that. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up X-47 and those regional mechanics. 
because that's the situation we're looking at right now. I'd say if something's going to happen, it's going to happen with fraternity in this moment pulling everything back to X-47. And this bridge between X-47, KQK, and OTAC-Y over in Tribute is one of those situations where the jump ranges are really bad. So realistically, to get from one to the other, you're looking at jumping gates, or there, there's going to be some other more difficult ways to move through. So I think that if a super cat brawl is going to happen, it's probably going to be an X-47 again, trying to take that away from Fraternity. Alternatively, there's 5ZX, and I can't remember off the top of my head if it's still there, but if memory serves, Fraternity, when they initially came through to attack GTC, they placed a Keepstar in 5ZX. And as a, an NPC nullsec system, you cannot have Sino Jammers there. Now, I, I would almost bet that Fraternity has already taken that thing down because that is a very obvious target for all these groups coming through to attack. So I'll need to actually fly out in space or hopefully somebody can tell me if that thing is still there. But that's another potential opportunity for a big old fight to happen just because the Sino Jammers don't play a role. Yeah, I'm... And then I think you touched on this earlier. So if people can't immediately start using their supers and titans, like that's fine. Normally happens in a war. People just use them to flex or bring them and move them and use them to flex and you save them for the big fights. But this kind of goes into my pessimism of like what you touched on where B2 and Imperium and friends are all like EU US time zone based. And then Panfam's also EU US time zone based, but fraternity is not. They are Chinese or AU time zone based. And so the struggle we see there is even with the subcat fleets, if you're fighting over objectives, say, whatchamacallit, the, the iHubs, Citadel timers, etc., all those are going to be timed in the defensive time zone. Sorry, my cat's making noise. So, so for example, so fraternities has their iHubs, you would assume their defend, they would have the timer come out and Chinese time zone. Well, if you're an attacker and your time zone is not Chinese time zone, it's going to be really difficult to convince your people. Like, hey, guys, everyone alarm clock at 3 a.m. We're going to go on the offensive, especially when your opponent's the strongest. And so that's going to be the big the big deciding factor with some of these subcat fights is, okay, yeah, you can entosis during the vulnerability timers and you can AFK structure bash for the shield timers on those citadels, but can you actually follow up on it and can you actually do damage? And so that's what I'm going to be really curious to see with some of these groups. Absolutely. And I just did a quick cursory glance, and it, it doesn't even seem like there's a single sovereignty timer happening right now. Even with all the groups moving and the, it's a fake ah, war. the drums of war. Fake, Worth dude, noting, fake news. Citadels are very important to the game. Some would say more important than sovereignty. So it could be that fights are going to be happening over jump bridge infrastructure, over those Sino jammers and flex structures we've been talking about or over staging Fortazars and Keepstars, as opposed to Sovereignty, just because of the way the mechanics have shifted over time, from Sino Jammers preventing stuff, so you have to kill the Sob first, over to a, a different spot that's hard for me to characterize in, in such a short way, which probably means it's good game design. No, no, that, that actually makes a lot of sense, right? Because you want to, if you take out the iHubs, you take out all the infrastructure, and it makes it easier to grind things down. Same with... um. 
we haven't really touched on it here, but it'll be interesting to see. I know I think both groups are staged really close with one another, but Ansiblexes, I know in the first Brave Volta versus Fraternity War, I think Ansiblexes were the big targets that people would run around and bash and then like kind of ruin reinforcements or lo like logistics of getting from A to B faster. So that would be the other thing I would keep an eye out for is destroying iHubs and destroying that infrastructure to be able to inhibit the Ansiblexes, but we'll have to see. I'm not quite sure how important those are here. Are you... Do I remember correctly that you left PL? You used to fly with them, but you left, yep. right? Yep. Sorry, are you returning for this war? Definitely not. I do not want to wake up super late. And I'm also... I'm not too confident of this war having any fights. I was even thinking about it from the perspective of, should I go and stream these fights? Because that's what I did a lot during World War B2 or Vietnam. But I also, I mean, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, that's a lot of effort for not my time zone. And so I don't know if I can do that again. If other people stream in those time zones, though, I definitely encourage it. It's a really good way to get to know the news and everything. Fair enough. Is there anything else we really want to talk about with this with this potential war? I just hope we're both wrong and our pessimism is proven wrong and that it actually looks like a fun and engaging war for like the history books. Like I, I really hope that happens. It's I don't like being pessimistic to be pessimistic, but I always love being proven wrong when I'm pessimistic. One hundred percent agree. Alright, there's some Eve game news items that you wanted to talk about. And also, I wanted to touch on just quickly PSA and a request for help, a call to action. Direct enlistment, you may have heard the term. I have forgotten it. Was it allegiances? Yeah, allegiances. Oof, okay, good. They were, it was announced as allegiances, where effectively pilots can participate in faction warfare without having to take their entire corporation and alliance into faction warfare making it significantly more accessible to players throughout all areas of space, not just FW specialists and that's their home or alt players. That mechanic, which everyone, everyone, everyone was crazy excited for, we thought it was going to change the game, is now live on CC. So go and test it out, take a look, see how it works, play around with it, and get feedback down to CCP. With something this big and sweeping, like, things are bound to go wrong, and I would love it if that happened on Singularity instead of Tranquility. And you all will think, like, the testers on CC later. With that being said, there is a mass test happening for audio and for fleet fights. So go ahead and make sure... Oh, that, that already happened. Darn. We missed it. It's at 1700 today, so that was about five hours ago. This is in my notes for when we were going to record on Sunday. So sorry, team. If you participated in this mass test, let us know how it went. Was it garbage? How was the performance? Did we test successfully? Love to hear. But there is still definitely an opportunity for you as individuals or maybe take your group over to CC, check out these new mechanics, and get a handle on how they're going to work before it goes live. I'm excited for it. I have a Corp and Faction Warfare. The one thing a lot of people were worried about is if you have one of those like big groups, so like take Horde, for example, 
where you have all these people like, yeah, guys, I'm going to go earn some faction warfare loyalty points. And then they all join different groups. And then there becomes a diplomatic issue where they're all shooting each other on grid. And then, you know, the leaders and the diplos have to deal with players arguing in faction warfare space. CCP allowed the ability for groups to limit who you join. So if you're with one of these big groups, my cat says hello. You can say, hey, I only want my team to join Kaldari or Mimitar or maybe Kaldari or Amar since they're on the same side. So you can definitely do that. So that's a really good quality of life change, I think, for corps and alliances that aren't in faction warfare. Absolutely. And I think that'll make some very interesting talk shows in the future to discuss how those decisions by these larger groups is going to impact faction warfare itself because that effectively guarantees they're all going to concentrate in different areas, which could dramatically shift the war zone. Awesome. Talk- you, yeah, you wanted to talk about this thing, right? The mural, yeah. So CCP is doing... So I remember I joined, gosh, nine years ago, and I joined just in time to get my character name on the monument, and now CCP is doing it again. This time it's not a monument, it's a mural. So if you as a player want your character or your... your your name, your tune, whatever you want to call it, your avatar in EVE Online to be memorialized in a mural similar as this, you must complete three, gosh, what are they called? I want to say skilling sprees, three daily campaigns. So those can be skilling sprees, the abyss, or like mining challenges. Yeah, Artemis is highlighting it for me. So the mural itself, they kind of scrolled down. It says it's inspired by the works of Kariba and Rosorian. So what it is, is it's pictures of the players, so of your avatar, like your little profile picture, and then it's all combined into a massive photo. So if you complete three days of this before, oh, what is it? May 2020? Yeah, March, March 22nd. I'm bad. I'm bad at this. March 22nd. So in a few weeks from now, then you'll have your character immortalized, immortalized. And I highly encourage people to do this. I had no more joy than finding my name on a monument in Iceland. It was a lot of fun. CCP's dedicated a lot to that. I know it's kind of taken some wear and tears. They're like redoing it and making it a bit better so that it survives. I've heard people ask if the mural is going to be physical or if it's just like a photo. And I believe it actually is going to be physical. I think the comment was you can see it at FanFest. So if you're going to FanFest, this is a great way to have something really cool. Yes, just the beginning. Okay. Yeah, I thought on the mosaic. Okay. Oh, maybe not. Maybe it, I thought I thought it was going to be in person. I thought they were going to have it in person in some way, shape, or form, probably at the CCP offices. So I highly encourage people to do this. It seems super cool. It's a good way to like kind of have humble bragging rights. If you ever want to do those like cheesy icebreakers at work, where they're like, "Name two truths and a lie," you can do that. You can say, "I'm on a video game mural or monument." That was kind of a long tangent. Wow, you know, I had never thought about using that as the icebreaker question because I'm also on that on that monument there. I hate huh. icebreaker questions, but this is one that's like super cool that people, you could definitely trick all your coworkers. In. You don't, you don't tell them about the podcast that you run? Oh. You fail to mention that? I don't either. People will ask, well, what is it? I, I don't want them watching. They don't know Eve. They're not <laughs> going to get it. We need a special kind of nerd to watch this show. All that right. Is that true. is, that is super cool. I'm glad you brought this up. I was wondering why people were talking about skilling spree and mining blitz and like getting emails yeah. and stuff in the partner discord. I was like, what is happening? I just missed this news article. Yeah. I'm super excited for it. Awesome. Any, I don't have anything else on this or on the faction warfare stuff. Is there anything else you want me to pull up real quick? 
No, I just want to give a shout out to Delana. It's her birthday. So if you know Delana, go tell her happy birthday and send her like cake emojis and like the little like confetti and the balloons. She's the best person ever. So go tell her happy birthday. That's my shout out. Am I remembering Delana? Did she used to or does she still do a podcast? She used to do lasers and lace. Yep. And then she's on open comms a lot with the guys and she runs Eve New, Eve New Orleans. Oh, epic. When is Eve New Orleans this, this year? Or is it already happening? <laughs> No, it's April 21 through 23 in New Orleans, Louisiana. She's actually organizing, I think we're doing like a riverboat cruise, a whiskey house tour, a brunch, which we're all going to be super hungover for, and then like a haunted ghost tour. So it's, and that's just like a handful of things. We're going to do tons of other stuff like pools and Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street is really just walking around and drinking and people watching. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Oh, she's doing a shrimp boil, shrimp boil, shrimp broil at her house. So if you like Delana's house or her parents or her cats, you can go do that. It's going to be tons of fun. This all sounds amazing. All right. Can you tell I haven't been to an Eve meet in quite a few months? Because I'm so excited about so, so basic things. Oh, so you're going. Oh, I'm definitely going. I love it. Nice. Yeah, we can, we can do a show for more meetups soon. There's the Montreal meetup sometime this month. We literally talk, I literally talked to Ben about this. Oh, the 25th. That's at the Sugar Shack in Montreal. So you can message him for that. Benjamin Rush. Or you can go watch the show we had. I'm presuming there was a, a bit of a shout out section in there where he talked about his own event, right? Yeah, he talked about running it and how to make it bigger. And at what point does he have to like go from like one day to a three day event? Like that kind of big hurdle. It was a lot of fun. He's good people. I'm playing with my cat. Sorry. I have to sing to her while I pet her if she gets mad. Oh, goodness. Should we wrap up the show then so your cat can have the appropriate attention? It's all good. Yeah, I was going to say, Artemis, if you don't have a shout out or anything else, we could wrap it up there. I think we've gone. I definitely have a shout out. I want to give a shout out to the TIS staff and specifically Locke for helping me with notes on all of the nonsense that is happening with this null sex stuff. It is one of those situations where not only is it helpful to have people who will summarize like that, but also with the TIS staff, we have people from literally like every group involved in this conflict. So it's, it's awesome to see the different perspectives and narratives that are going through the different sides and try to piece together what's closer to the truth than other pieces and stuff like that. No, that, that's a good shout, too. A lot of the TAS staff help us introduce us to folks like Lux and Yanti we had on the show today. So I never met them before. I have no idea who they were before, but TIS staff do a lot of the background work of getting us news and getting us not just news, but people to talk about to really break down the news, those subject matter experts, you could say. Yeah, and I mean, hey, while we're on a roll, I will shout out to Hotkin, who is the person I initially reached out to to find someone to talk about this wormhole thing, and then they directed me to our two guests today. So thank you, Hawkin, as well. Alrighty, if that's all, Artemis, we can close out the show. You have to be waving at the camera, though, even though you're not on camera. Oh, dear, okay. Alright, thank you, everybody, and tune in next week. I believe we are, yes, we are around Sunday, so tune in, and we'll be talking more about the news. <laughs>